Hey, I love this time of year. We have the lights up at the house, the trees up, the mistletoe is up, honey. Okay, maybe not that. But I really do love this time of year. We've been talking about gifts, and the kids and my wife have been sharing their list. Just the other day, my son said to me, get this. He says, Dad, you know that your wife is looking at dogs and wants one for Christmas. First of all, who says, Dad, you know your wife? But second of all, honey, we have a dog. Maybe think of something else. I, I don't know. Well... We'll see anyway. What's, what's your list? That's what I'm kind of getting at here. Are you expecting something big this year? Or, or have your expectations been a bit lowered with all that's been, been going on? I was looking forward to seeing more extended family. I was looking forward to possibly seeing uh, my in-laws, but the borders are closed. I was looking forward to having a bite to eat with my wife. We kind of have this tradition, go out to get a bite to eat and then go Christmas shopping for the kids, but the restaurants are closed. You, you see where I'm getting at. I'm whining a little bit here, if you don't mind. But things are different, right? What's your I was looking forward to list? What is your I was hoping for this year list? What are your expectations right now? I get the picture that a year like 2020 is like boxing gloves and hope is the punching bag. It just seems like everything's a bit depressed in that sense. Maybe you're feeling the same way. I mean, what were you dreaming about that doesn't seem to be working out? What were you believing in and for and hoping in, praying for that maybe... Just maybe, and it's what we're going to talk about today, you've given up a bit on. We're starting a short sermon series for Advent. It's called What We All Should Want for Christmas. And we're going to go through the different Advent, Advent being the preparation for the celebration of the coming Christ child. We're going to go through the themes. Today, hope. And there's faith and joy and peace, and this will take us up to our Christmas Eve services. And so I'd appreciate if you would go to the Gospel of Luke. We're going to be in chapter 1 today. I'd love if you follow along because there's a lot of verses in this section of Scripture. Luke 1, 5 through 25. I think we'll have time to get through all of them. Starting in verse 5, but before I go there, uh, would you first bow with me in prayer? Lord, wherever we're at, we ask for your presence to be with us. The fact that we can do this freely is something that we should be grateful for and thankful for. So now, Lord Jesus, may your presence be with us in this place and wherever we are at, whenever we are hearing this or watching this. Lord, because we need your word and we need your guidance and we need your wisdom. So, Spirit of God, go before us today as we open up your word. And we consider again this story of what was going on just prior to your birth. And we ask God that it would again speak to us. We pray this in your name. Amen. Luke chapter 1, starting at verse 5, it says, In the days of Herod, king of Judea, now, now, the reason Luke writes this is he is 
He's dating it. That's what you would do in the time in which he was writing. So each one would know when this was written. In the days of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah of the division of Abijah, and he had a wife from the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. Here we're introduced to the main characters of our story here. Important to understand that both, Luke wants us to know, were descendants of Moses' brother Aaron. And why is that important for us to know? Well, this would have automatically made Zechariah a part of the priestly division that he was a part of. And just a side note, so as we get into this, we're understanding a bit more of what's going on. The services of the temple, this would be in Jerusalem, were divided into 24 divisions because there were so many priests, because there were many descendants of Aaron. And primarily, because there were so many, they would take their turns at major religious festivals like Passover or Pentecost or the Feast of Tabernacles where they would have to come to the temple and serve for a couple of weeks out of the year, we'll just say. This is why Zechariah in our story is about to go into uh, the outer place of the Holy of Holies and do this religious ceremony. Now more on Zechariah and Elizabeth, verse 6. And they were both righteous before God, walking blamelessly in all the commandments and statutes of the Lord. That doesn't mean they were perfect. That's a, that's a different term in the Greek. But they were God-honoring, God-fearing is what this phrase means. Verse 7, but they had no child, it tells us, because Elizabeth was barren, and both were advanced in years. Now, what does this have to do with Christmas and the Christmas story? Well, Zechariah is going to be an uncle of Jesus. And you will see here as we get into the story how this fits together with the story and the prophecies of this coming Messiah. So look back with me at verse 8 in Luke chapter 1. It says, Now while he was serving as priest before God, when his division was on duty, according to the custom of the priesthood, he was chosen by lot to enter the temple of the Lord and burn incense. Burning incense was a picture of prayer. And it says in verse 10, And the whole multitude of the people were praying outside at the hour of incense, and there appeared to him, here's where our story takes a turn, and there appeared before Zechariah an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. So you can kind of picture with me standing before the altar, and there appears, there frightens Zechariah, an angel. And Zechariah was troubled when he saw him, and fear fell upon him. Yeah, I would think so. But the angel said to him, do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard and your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son and you shall call his name John and you will have joy and gladness and many will rejoice at his birth. Why? Verse 15, for he will be great before the Lord. And he must not drink wine or strong drink and he will be filled with with the Holy Spirit, even from his mother's womb. And he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God, and he'll go before him in the spirit and the power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children. That is my prayer for us today, that our hearts would be returned to God. 
and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready for the Lord a people prepared. That's what Advent is about. That's what we're going to be about today. Back to our story. This was a prophecy that came from the mouth of an angel. Now that's unique. Even for the days in which Zechariah is living. Let me just say, whatever picture that comes into your mind of what you thought an angel looks like, or what you've seen on a Christmas card, it's not likely very accurate, okay? It's likely diluted. The, the Bible gives us a very different picture than what we might see today of these depictions of angels. Uh, actually, the Bible tells us there, there's bright lights, blinding lights. The Bible gives us a picture that they're warriors fighting against evil on behalf of God's kingdom, now, I want you to think about this warrior's message to Zechariah and what's going on. Consider this prophecy. It goes back to the prophets Isaiah and Malachi. And, and why does this matter and how does this relate to our story? We'll consider, and maybe you have some time to go to this later on. If you're really quick, go there now. Isaiah 40, verse 33 it tells us of one who would come that would prepare the people for the Messiah because without prepared hearts, we overlook what is right before our eyes. That's why God always sends a forerunner. It's why God is always clear with us despite us sometimes thinking things are hidden. A voice cries, it says in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight a desert a highway for our God. I like that picture. Not, not bumper-to-bumper traffic, but a freeway to God. That's what the forerunner does. It, it's like our, our traffic lately. It's less, right? It, it's a freeway straight to God. Nothing's stopping us from getting to God. We know the way. It says further in Malachi 3, 1 through 3, Behold, I send my messenger, and he will prepare the way before me. You know, God is not silent. Church, hear this. God is not silent. He's not covering up his works and his ways. Don't give in to that picture or that idea of God. He has and is making clear his intentions. And just like he prepared them, just like he prepared Israel, he's preparing us for his second coming. We are a part of this advent that is to come in Jesus returning. It says further in Malachi chapter 4, 5 and 6, Behold, I will send you, Elijah the prophet, before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes. And if you recall, and if you know anything about the story of John the Baptist, he said, I am not Elijah. Why did he say that? Because this prophecy in Malachi not only was fulfilled in Christ in his first coming, but will be fulfilled in his second coming. Verse 6, And he will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children, in the hearts of the children to their fathers this Advent we are taking part. The same as Israel was taking part in the coming of Messiah. God is preparing us for something, church. So again, picture with me. Standing before Zechariah is this mighty warrior prophesying a message of hope to come. 
Raise your hand seriously if you need a message of hope in the days in which we are living. I need a message of hope. But notice uh, Zechariah's response. Verse 18, and Zechariah said to the angel, how shall I know this? How shall I know this? For I'm an old man and my wife is advanced in years. Doesn't he know that you're not supposed to talk about your wife's age? Verse 19, and the angel answered him, I'm Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God and I was sent to speak to you and to bring you this good news. And behold, you will be silent and unable to speak until that day. These things take place because What does it say? Because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their time. Don't miss this part. Oh, God is not waiting. He is fulfilling things in his own time. He does things on his own schedule, not our schedule. You know, it doesn't seem like it's that big of a deal that he doubted this messenger, considering the circumstances anyway. But the angel's response and his response to the angel tells us that Zechariah's heart had become callous and, and skeptical, that he had lost hope, that he had stopped praying. He had given up this dream in his life. Maybe you're experiencing something like that now. Maybe you've experienced it in the past. Zechariah and Elizabeth, think about this had trusted God in the right way, Luke tells us. They were honoring God. They were following his law. They were God-fearing. And yet, a bunch of disappointments came their way, and things didn't work out the way they had foreseen them. Right, A bunch of 2020s, so to speak, got in their way. And now they're left disappointed. And and now they're left moving on to something that they did not expect. Something that they were not prepared for. Got to ask you, something that I've been considering all week. what, What have you stopped praying about? Just take a moment to consider what that could be for you. What have you just outright stopped praying about? Or what has been your disappointment lately and has been killing your hope? See, God is not harboring hope in heaven. He's not neglecting or holding back. Truth is, we lose hope when we lose connection. And when we lose connection, We feel defeated. Think about the loss of a loved one. A breakup. Separation or change. Isolation. Closure. Cancellations. All these things that affect both our lives and our emotions and attitudes. You know, when we're connected to something we love and it's taken from us, no matter what it is, it's, it's difficult. And now we live in this disconnected world that's clamoring for hope and cannot find it in the things we consume or go after or are seeking. 
Listen, Zechariah and Elizabeth were human like us, and they must have spent hours crying out to God to give them what they wanted so badly, and what they wanted was good. There are many things that we ask for that God doesn't just immediately give or may never give. And that's the part that can be so difficult to understand. I'm wondering what that is for each one of us today. But here's the thing. We do not find our hope in the things that we wish for. Instead, our hope rests in the one who saves. And that's what we're all pointing to in this story. Remember what the angel said. Your prayers have been answered I bet they prayed for years, considering their age. I bet it was years before this that they had even given up praying. And then, miraculously, in God's timing, he says, your prayers have been answered. Can't even imagine what was going through his mind as this happens. There's a couple that my wife and I are friends with who have done foster care for years and They've had some really difficult things happen to them where uh, they, they had some children in a very, very difficult situation, a very dangerous situation, and yet got burned by the system because things didn't work out, and that child went into a place he shouldn't have, and they got burned, and, and, and needless to say, years ago, they gave up on the hope of ever having uh, these children, and then this year. In retirement, this couple taking care of two twin boys got the call. They're up for adoption. And at their age, they are now parents to two twin boys at a very, very young age. And man, it took some prayer and, and, and some planning how this was going to work out with what, what they are, are in right now in their own lives. But think about God's timing and all of that. Now, it might not be about kids for you. Your dreams might not be theirs, but consider what that is for you. I don't know your hopes and dreams, but God does, and he's had a plan. We hear that a lot, but do we really believe it by faith? Thing is, the future of our lives and existence, it will not be defined by what we see in this moment or what we're dealing with right now. No, no, Jesus will define our future, not this disease, not our troubles or failures. Jesus defines our future because he holds it in his hands and he has had a plan from the start. And it's something that we need to be reminded of. Back to our story, would you go there too? Verse 21, we're not quite to the end yet. It says, and the people were waiting for Zechariah, and they were wondering at his delay in the temple, and we don't know exactly how long that would have been, but probably a while. Verse 22, and when he came out, he was unable to speak to them, and they realized, it must have been the countenance on his face, whatever they saw, they realized he had seen a vision in the temple. And he kept making signs to them and remained mute. Kind of like, you know, that sort of thing, right? You can imagine the scene. And when his time of service was ended, he went home. Here's the thing. 
And I want us not to overlook this part of the story. It's God who silenced Zechariah. Yes, for his unbelief, but God had a plan in that I firmly believe. Have you ever lost your voice completely? I certainly have, but not to the point where I couldn't even whisper. So I can't really relate to what Zechariah dealt with for those nine months. But here's why I bring this up. What would it be like if you couldn't say a word for nine months? Husbands, what would it be like if your wife couldn't talk for nine months? Wives, what would it be like if your husband couldn't talk for nine months? Kids, what would it be like if you couldn't talk to your parents for nine months? Parents, what would it be like to not hear anything from your kids for nine months? What about at work or at school? Think about that for a second. Silence. For nearly a year. In silence, he sat and thought about his misplaced hope and skepticism. And and here's what I'm thinking. By the time of his son's birth, we get the impression he was a changed man. I think maybe that's why this is written here. I think even more importantly, I think he was then ready to raise the forerunner or the savior of the world. I think God needed him silent to prepare him for what's next in life. And I think that applies very well to what we're dealing with today. Might God be using this time in our lives as a way of pointing us and preparing us for things to come? We know from scriptures that has to be the case because we are in an advent awaiting his coming. Might God be taking our expectations that we have placed upon our lives and might he be rearranging and refining and refocusing them for greater purposes? I believe that with all of my heart because I'm experiencing it right now. Verse 24, last thing, after these days, his wife Elizabeth conceived, and for five months she kept herself hidden, why is this detail in the story, saying, thus the Lord has done for me in the days when he looked on me to take away my reproach among the people. What does that mean? It means this is what kind of God we serve. It means whatever shame or stigma was on her, any disgrace in the eyes of the world she was harboring inside, any identity issues, any self-consciousness she had that the enemy was using to use against her, And all the hope that she had in God and what he had for her, it means God was restoring and healing and taking away that reproach in her, and he can do it in us today. Oh, that we would have the same hope that she was experiencing in this moment. Whatever shame or stigma or disgrace in the eyes of the world Satan has used against you to bring you down, to discourage you, to beat up on your hope. Yes, God can restore. Why? Because Jesus is the hope of the world. It is he who came to forgive and restore back to his likeness that gives us hope 
for all our future. And that is something eternally we can rest assured in. Praise be to God. What an absolutely incredible picture of who Jesus is. He is not the one who has brought that stigma or that shame or that disgrace upon you. He loves you. He cares for you. He went to the cross, came as a humble baby, lived a perfect life so that he could sacrifice for us that which we should have paid. But instead, in our place, offers eternal life and all hope that transcends anything that we are experiencing now and could experience in the future. I hope and pray that you are trusting in him. And so as we close and spend some time in worship, uh, my hope for us here is that we would recognize this message that pertains to us just the same as it did in the days in which Zechariah and Elizabeth were living. So would you with me bow your heads and consider what God wants you to release and, and give to him. Maybe it is that prayer that that you've given up praying about, that he wants to restore in you, uh, refine. Maybe it's that dream that was lost many years ago and yet God has shown you through the years of silence that he has a better plan and a better way. Would you go with me to prayer as we consider our situation? Heavenly Father, you can take our reproach and you can heal and restore and correct in the ways that we have gone that are not God-honoring and God-fearing. Lord, would you restore and correct us? Would you discipline us so that we would, uh, Lord, go your way, not walk that dangerous path in our disappointment, or isolation, Lord, would you, would you give us hope? Lord Jesus, whether we are recognizing our need for you or not, I just pray that right now in this place, your spirit would fall upon us and give us understanding And that, Lord, your joy would fill us. And your peace would go before us. And so we pray this trusting in you. Trusting in you. We pray this all in your name. Amen.